0: Get you the bomb back, yeah. come back, get you back, back. This is the volume that I will talk, that <laughs> I will talk, that yeah, I will talk. talk. Ooh, 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 People running round, working bones into the ground. Is everyone just trying to be first? If you see me falling
1: down From the buildings in the clouds Would you catch me for this bubble burst? Burr, burr. I'm an
2: American Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, a.k.a. The Raj Nation. I am your show's host, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Martin McGovern, AKA Marty McFly. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help us all better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. This week, our episode is a little bit of a departure from our usual agenda with this show, and we have a conversation analyzing the conflict and tension that seems to be increasing every single day between people of different backgrounds, ethnicities, cultures, political beliefs, etc. And we have that conversation with our good friend, Levi Bayer, who joins us on the show as a second time guest. His first time was back in season three. We really felt like the The root of all this conflict and tension at the end of the day is bias. So our topic question is how do you manage bias? Our intent with this conversation was to create an open dialogue, a true discussion that is judgment free that allows us to get some of these thoughts out of our head and into the public. To create that conversation. So, if we offended anyone, that was not our intent and we sincerely apologize. But we hope you will listen to this episode and think about how it applies to your own life and what are your perspectives. So, with that, let's dive into our conversation with Levi Bayer. How do you manage bias? Let's
0: listen in. It's been on my mind because, um, Yes, I started Second Shift, which is a, a co-working space for no, <laughs> um, <and> I, <laughs> yeah, which you can sign up now. Um, where I'm managing community and I'm trying to be inclusive, and I'm also hot in the middle of a location where we are a part of gentrification in the neighborhood. And pretty much anyone that comes in here that is talking about like things going on around us, or where gentrification gets thrown out there. Um, so my business does that and uh, I'm biracial so I have brown skin and I find myself in a lot of places where people think about that about me or I think about that of other people about skin color and what that means and I lecture with my students on like diversity and race uh, and inclusion so a lot of touch points for this for me and I like to challenge this question by saying that bias isn't bad and that bias is natural Um, and that there's a lot of good things that come from it. But uh, I'll start off our conversation by saying it's also the, I think, the first step towards, like, prejudice and racism and bigotry, um, which obviously has tons of detrimental effects and outcomes, some more severe than others. So, like, how does a police officer manage bias so that they don't shoot an innocent person and kill them? And how do I manage it when I, again, I'm walking down the street? Do I, like, cross the street away from somebody because of their skin color or not? Or do people do that to me because of my skin color? I think there's some big uh, questions of it with big importance. And I think there's smaller everyday stuff. And I think both of them are just as important. And then do I also use my bias to find new and useful and uh, fun friends, right? Do I use bias in a positive way? So I think there's a lot to explore there with like how this manifests itself for all of us. And I'm excited for this conversation uh, race is not the only way to talk about it, but we all three of us have a different race, yeah. and that's uh, exciting, although we're all the same gender.
2: Yeah. Well, we may. I may throw in a part two with a female of mm. the same question topic,
0: cool. which we would cover that. Cool. But
2: for everyone listening, we have Levi, who is biracial and um, 50% uh, African, 50% Caucasian. Yeah. I am, to my knowledge, 100% Indian. Martin, you are... I guess Caucasian—that fun word—which <laughs> <laughs> is what Irish. In this case, Irish. Fifty Irish, fifty German. Yeah, that's right. Okay.
0: Let, let Let's start with something like that because if you don't mind, because yeah. uh, so we right away when we throw the word ethnicity out there and we start to talk about like racial bias and stuff. Uh, usually, when we talk about race, we talk about brown people, right? And it's that's a bias, and it's weird that we do that. Uh, and uh, people get left out of the conversation. I think when we don't talk about European background. Like, my other half is white, or my half of me, the other half. I don't know which half is the, the main half. Yeah. So, but my other half is German. And, like, Martin, you're not just white, right? There's more to that than that.
1: Yeah, well, <sighs> so, there I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I am just American, right? Like, that's how I think of it. I don't. Like, St. Patrick's Day is, I guess, today, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so clearly doing <laughs> You got maroon and blue. On yeah. It. You, you I've wear, been wearing you green. You wore green. Uh, yeah. Raj. Raj is more green. Irish. Coincidentally.
0: Yeah. I just pinched you. No,
1: um, green is good. You don't get pinched oh. if you're wearing green. I should be getting pinched. And me. And used to get I, I thought you were just feeling my material. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is this felt? It is now. Um... <laughs>
2: Never heard that. What? Oh, cool. All right, That's let's like the, the let's uh, let's bring this back on the uh, on the rails here.
1: Um. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm Irish and German, but I grew up with very um stereotypical understandings of what that meant. I, like I guess you know like my grandparents made uh, German food, and I go visit my uncles, and I don't know they're an Irish family, so it's like Irish and like the you know Catholic history and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But none of us like sit around going like, this is what our heritage is and what mm. our heritage means. Like, mm. no, we're all just in America now. And like, mm. that's what it is. And I'm second gen on both sides. So mm. my family isn't part of like, his, the history of white America. It's not like, you know, we've been here, um, I think like the 40s, 40s, 50s, whenever it came over. And mm. so, yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, you do get put into a, a, a box with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember people being like, well, your family, you know, was part of slavery. I was like, actually, they were in Ireland getting persecuted by the English, but OK. Um, but I'm, then there's like the privilege conversation and there's all that stuff. So
0: so do, do you when when talked, you know, to speak to let's dive into it, like when when people talk about white or whiteness, do you identify with that? I don't know what it means.
1: I don't, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I am white. Yeah, I, I'm more so just like scared of whatever things that they are projecting onto me.
0: They're biased,
1: yeah. Because like when people say that, they're saying it with a reason. Like, like oh, you're white. Oh, yeah. you're a white cis male.
0: I'm like, what the fuck? What is
1: okay? Is that an insult now? Like, apparently that's an insult now. Yeah. So,
0: I think, uh, I mean, you you know, you kind of mentioned privilege. Certainly, I think that's an important part of the conversation. But I think it's like, are we having that conversation, or is there some? You know, if people come on the attack with that, then I think like. I would ask why. Why are we going that way with that conversation?
1: Well, there's some attack, but I think more so it's um it's the same thing that everyone hates. It's um being told your opinion doesn't matter because whatever you are. Yeah. And that's whatever that's what all this stuff is. Like, you know, if if I'm having a conversation with someone and they say, Well, you just don't know, I'm like, All right, well teach me. Like mm-hmm. that's it shouldn't end there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's where we get into these really interesting conversations, Raj, mm-hmm. because I know what perspective I'm coming from, which is one of not knowing, and I just want to know more. Yeah. Like, that's that's really all it is. Right. Well, and
2: that's the, what I've always found interesting in the conversations, Martin, you and I have, which I don't see happening on an everyday basis, at least from what's projected out there in the media, and just, you know, just from general demonstrations and what, what you see people saying and doing, is an interest in wanting to understand where is the other side coming from? Um, and I mean this from all parties, mm-hmm. not just white people, not just black people, mm-hmm. not just Indian people, mm-hmm. not, you know, not even different types of thought uh, beyond just skin color. Um, but there is a severe lack of interest in, hey, why might they be coming to the table with that mm-hmm. mindset? That worldview. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that worldview. Uh, can I try to think of something from their perspective first before responding? And that's where you get a lot of this heat and a lot of this aggravation and, and conflict and tension, I think, mm-hmm. because, like, and we, I, I, you know, we've talked about this, Martin, I think we've talked about this too, Levi, but the idea, so, so to use kind of like, I would say, one of the baseline examples, is the Black Lives Matter movement came out, and then after that, White Lives Matter came out, and... No, all Lives or, sorry, all lives Sorry, All Lives Matter came out, and... All Lives Matter was just a response to, oh, wait, you said that? Well, we can say this now. There was no All Lives Matter prior to there being a Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. You know, And I know people who are very like in the camp of All Lives Matter. And they're like, I, I can't stand the idea of people saying Black Lives Matter. What about everyone else? And it's like, yeah, but if they had just said Black Lives Matter, comma, two, like T-O-O, would, you'd probably be okay with this. You're, well, you're, and, and it's a lack of understanding mm-hmm. that from the Black Lives Matter side, it's not saying no one else matters. It's saying, can you please just pay attention to us because we're suffering and bad things are happening. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people in the other camp don't want to see that side of the, the argument or mm-hmm. they hear it in one way and they just they fixate on the way it's phrased
0: mm-hmm. creates this, you know, it creates that tension and that conflict. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think you hit it on the nose from what a lot of people, even President Obama, said when he brought up Black Lives Matter in a press conference or something. You know, we're not saying other lives don't matter. We're talking about these lives at the moment for these reasons. And people get really charged. It's interesting how you said, like, I think there's two things. There's like the the content, and then there's the delivery too, right? Which is like everyday communication or business or marketing too, yeah, right? That's the thing I'm most interested in. Yeah. Right. So there's like the content is like we need to pay attention to this thing muslim bland muslim ban black lives matter uh gay rights yeah um but if we deliver it in this way some people are like ah but you said it like this so i'm not going to pay attention to that it's yeah. like, ah, but we still yeah and then it gets tough when you like go to let's say like a, a women's rally and maybe then um some of the signs are like pretty uh explicit like making fun of trump or something like that which I personally don't like Donald Trump, but I'm also into like kind of um, uh, civil discourse. And so like for me, a picture that like makes fun of Donald Trump sexually is, and if somebody wants to do that, that's up to them, totally fine. I'm talking about just my, I'm not going to say they should not do that because I think telling other people how to protest and mourn and do stuff is a tricky narrative. But I'm saying I personally don't get into that narrative. Um, So then am I like, distancing myself from this content that I agree with because of the delivery of the message, mm-hmm. right. which happened in the women's rights movement or women's rights movement. <laughs> Sorry. That's not the correct way to say that at all. <laughs> the, the most recent, like, you know, women's March and stuff yeah. in response to the Trump presidency um, with uh, black and white people. And that mm-hmm. there is a divide there. And people said all sorts of stuff. I mean, I don't know if we really want to just go through rehash that here
2: no, I, but well, just thinking about, I like, think the, the bias you brought up, you against, said you were listening to that podcast, I can not know what...
0: Code Switch, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was an interesting story about the, kind of, the conflict even between the white and black side. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so what it was. Yeah. So, it's just, it, it's interesting bias. Like, can I even agree with something? I have, like, I'm trying to think of our main topic today is bias. Like, what deters me from even the things I have positive for or against? Yeah, and I... From the communication
1: standpoint, that's the biggest conversation I've been having with people lately because I'm like, I want to know what you mean with what you're saying because the way I'm interpreting it is not the way you would like me to be interpreting it. So I agree with what you're saying, I don't agree with how you're saying it, is really what it all comes down to for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And from my perspective, it's like, because I agree with what you're saying, I want to help people better craft the message to get the outcome that they want, which is to convince other people to get on their side. Mm. Um, and I think fundamentally whenever we're making, whenever we see these things, it used to be you make a message and you show it to the people who agree with your message, or who agree with your message, right? Um, and they already understand all the context and all the language and all the um, maybe the slang and everything yeah. like that. But you show that to someone outside of that group and they're like, what the hell, this is attacking me. Mm. We saw this a lot in the internet entrepreneur space. like. Mm. Um, Marie Forleo she'll be like everyone in their life has to be able to do XYZ mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're like everybody? I don't think this applies to everybody mm-hmm. and then we had to make the distinction everybody in her audience mm-hmm. needs right. to do XYZ otherwise you shouldn't be in her audience and her saying these, um, these uh, absolutes her using these absolutes is to push people into or out of her audience mm-hmm. she does it on purpose and that's what all, all messaging does. So if someone says, like, this is my stance, it's either going to push you into or out of their so their worlds. Do you think that's a useful tool? Depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to get a lot of people on your side and you're trying to convince people, then uh, it dep- no, maybe not. Like, there's a whole section of the Internet that is information to make certain people, um, like, feel good about other people being pissed off. So like Can you give an example? Um, just memes about, let's say, uh, social justice warriors or Trump. All right. So if a meme comes out about Trump, it's not to make the people on the Trump side agree with this. It's also not to make the people on the anti Trump side um, be anti Trump. Yeah. But it makes them feel good because it's gonna piss off the pro Trump yeah. people. Yeah. And a social justice warrior thing is not going to convince anyone on on like change their views on either side but it's going to make the people who are anti-social justice warrior feel good that this meme is pissing off the social justice warriors but here's the catch the people who are on the social justice warrior side or the pro-trump side are never going to see that meme and so it's like it's like ha 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 this thing is going to piss off the the liberals or piss off the republicans and it's like and we feel good about that and we feel good about that but those people will never see the meme because it never gets out of the bubble So it just—it's me laughing at what I think is going to piss off someone who will never see it, and that was something that I heard on um, like NPR or something recently. And I don't know—I heard that and I was like, "That's that's crazy. That's just like that is the whole bubble thing." This, that's the whole, yeah, this thing. is what
0: we're doing now. I mean, this is you know, again, thinking of bias is that we're like not just echo chamber, but we're like reveling in these exchanges that reinforce our ideals, right? Yeah. That's what a lot of people do—is like say stuff so that it can be affirmed and then they're like, yes, my idea, my, who I am and what I believe in is affirmed right. because of the response that I got. Right. Whether, but what's and, tricky for me is that people are shutting down conversations to go back to what you sh- said, Raj, is conversate, potential conversations, potential bridges. Yeah. But even, you know, politically or socially are being shut down before they have a chance to start because we're just like bouncing back and forth at these, you know, Echo chamber. There. Yeah, there's a lot of fear. I so think. then we say, we I mean, build ourselves up. This, I have fear on this podcast right now. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, someone's going to hear this. I'm going to be
1: wrong because uh, clearly I'm going to be wrong on something. Yeah. And um, Well, somebody's going to disagree. Bash, yeah. That's yeah. worrisome. Somebody's going to disagree. Yeah, because what is wrong and right, right? But, I mean, there's so many things that I just don't know yeah. that, like, if, if I say something incorrectly, I'd rather someone be like, hey, maybe you don't know something. Yeah. yeah. Then you're the devil like yeah, right. which happens a lot
2: well and here's where it's i think it starts to get even more interesting is so the be an absolute take a stance right mm-hmm. so that's one aspect of it and i think when you do that you're able to get at least get people to listen and it's probably going to be more effective than being like hey i kind of think this mm-hmm. we would have to have a long discussion about it for me to affirm that i think that right um but then what also comes with that is if you decide to get involved with something. And Martin, you brought this up on previous episodes in other contexts, but it's like when you say yes to one thing, you're inherently saying no to no, something else, here. right? And I think that starts to become even more so the case in some of these social justice issues, in some of these things that are happening today, where if you start to lean in one direction, you may actually not even be totally opposed to the other side, but it's gonna to start to become perceived that you are a hundred percent, you know, anti whatever else.
1: Like, you know I just ask questions and people assume that. I, I'm. I believe everything that you believe, but I asked you a question that challenged your belief just slightly, and now you think that I'm attacking you. Yeah,
2: and so there, here's an example. So I'm. I'm participating in this event in the summertime called Weapons of Mass Compassion. Um, me and several other yoga teachers are going to be teaching yoga classes for police officers throughout Chicago to try and help you know create a sense of calmness and bridge the divide between police, and civilians of color. Okay. Which, in my mind, I'm like, this is something I want to get involved in. Um, Like, my reason, you know, when we first got together to meet on this, you know, the first thing we said was, why are you doing this? And Mm. my reason was, there's a lot of shouting and not enough listening. Mm. And I personally, honestly, based on my skin color, Mm. have always had the benefit of being able to play the intermediary between different types of people. Mm. Um, Now, uh, so... I think it's a very noble cause. I'm behind it. I want to be part of it, right? Um, the person who's in charge of our group, she is of African descent. Um, she lives in Chicago. And and when we get together and have the meetings, they're not necessarily logistic planning meetings. We are getting there to talk about just, like, issues and how do we talk about them and present them and things like that. And what she's telling me, like, like here I am thinking, to go back to, well, I'm in my own world, right? Here I am thinking, this is a really good thing to get behind, like, I think people are really going to support this. She comes and says, "She's had a lot of feedback in her community of, what, you're going to teach police officers to calm down so they can shoot me with a smile now?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Holy crap, I didn't even realize that that is still a thought that's out yeah. there." And to kind of come back to my original point of that of bringing that up is she has taken a stance and said or she she has decided to get involved in a certain way and say, "Hey, I want to almost like I want to help police officers is is more or less what the stance is. As a result, some people are saying it is, okay, you're anti everyone else. Mm -hmm. Instead of it being like, that's interesting. I wonder how we can, you know, work together on this. Mm -hmm. It becomes a this or that, Mm -hmm. not an and both.
0: Yeah.
1: And this is, we've spoken about this before, but I believe this is the the Kanye effect. Uh, This is inventing. Enemies, mm. in order to have something to stand for mm. and build a community around that thing, the only way communities well, I don't know actually, I'm curious more like the George Bush effect, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, no, but but I, I, I call it the Kanye effect because Kanye invents um enemies to go against, uh, yeah. like Taylor Swift, yeah. Oh, I see, I get the George Bush reference, huh? <laughs> damn it. Uh, it took me a second, um. <laughs> But he like. Do you think Taylor Swift is really his enemy? Do you no. think she's really in the way of anything None. in his life or like causing any real trouble?
0: No, or like the Nicki Minaj Remy
1: Ma beef yeah. this week, like what? Like, <laughs> and really? so and so we we do this like so we teach the average of five or have all taught it at some in some way shape or form. I don't know, maybe not Levi, but um, the average of five is surround yourself with people who oh, yeah. challenge you and help you grow. But it also means surround people who uh, surround yourself with people who you know. Are similar-minded to you. It's what you do naturally. Yeah, it's what you naturally do, and because of bias. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so one of the things that I find really interesting is like, you know, as we were doing Ideal Lemon, and as we like looked at that whole industry, it's like uh, we weren't uh, we weren't gonna allow ourselves to make college. And universities and and all that stuff, the enemy, in order to give ourselves something to fight against. Mm -hmm. Whereas I've seen other people in the online education space do that. Mm. And I'm not about to say don't go to college. I'm about to say think about it more so we can have like a look at all the options. Mm. But by doing that, we hurt our own ability to market and sell ourselves as a viable alternative because people weren't people were like, "Oh, well what do you stand for?" Well, we stand for looking at all the mm-hmm. options. Well, that sounds like a lot of work. I just want to know what to do and what not to do. And mm-hmm. so that I think is what ends up happening is people want a common enemy and an easy solution in order to be able to move forward with their beliefs and systems. And so that's just something that marketers use that's something that, you know, anyone who's creating a business, you mm-hmm. need to stand for something, right? Mm-hmm. And as individuals, like, one of my core tenets is to question everything, mm. like, as a person. So no one ever knows if I'm on their side or not mm. w- w- is the is the outcome. Mm. And so people are always on the defensive whenever they're, like, talking about something or just worried that maybe I'm not in, in full agreement.
0: I, I think – can I jump in? Yeah, I'm good. I think <laughs> um, one of the things I uh, teach in school in uh, – in my diversity lecture in small group class or i did this in my entrepreneurship class too is that uh, we certainly benefit from diverse groups or from diverse interactions there's you know business cases now on like why diversity makes for better business outcomes and higher financial returns and that sort of thing better retention happiness problem solving skills all these things um but it's also very clear that it is harder to interact when there is diversity present it, in theory in theory I'm not i'm not saying like it won't work um, I just mean that like you're going to run into more opportunities for breakdowns in communication, and okay, I wonder. if you give an example? Yeah, so um, like if I'm in my workplace and I'm like, "Why are you cooking that food? It smells nasty. You're gross." And somebody's like, "This is like my food from my culture and my heritage, and I'm going to eat this like fried fish." And you're like, "Well, it's smelling up the whole office," and then maybe there's that. That's like a you know social example. Um, a more like <clears throat> uh, technical example could be like um, we should uh, we should market this thing to a bunch of people and let's say if we have no gay people on our marketing team and no perspective of what it's like to be LGBTQIA, <laughs> yeah, we found yeah. there's an I and an A. Um, trying to yeah. be open to figure out what all those mean, but uh, um, if I if we have no in, in input from that uh, dynamic, then um, our marketing efforts going to fall flat. But if I, let's say, bring somebody in who identifies within that community to be on a marketing team, maybe then I have to be more careful about my language. Maybe I should be anyway, but I might like have yeah. more chances to offend or mess up or slip or something like that. Yeah. Um, because now I have more different people around me.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's... Forcing you to think before talking,
0: which we should anyway. I mean, like us talking about any gender issues on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, if we talk about gender issues on this podcast, we should talk about them from the standpoint. Yeah, it's of just, yeah from the yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say then is going back to what you were saying, Martin, this Kanye effect. I wonder because I'm kind of thinking of it from the like academic standpoint, and you're, I think you're coming at it from the marketing standpoint, which is what we both kind of do with our jobs, and from the academic standpoint. I wonder if that's part of why we do that as well not just to sell the thing because we show what we're against but also because it's easier. Mm-hmm. Just just it's easier on my brain. I experience less cognitive dissonance to let my bias affect a good majority of my decision making so that is hang out with more people that are like me or I or I latch onto that thing that's been marketed to me that says don't you hate that? And I go yeah. yeah Man, I really yeah. hate that. So I'm just going to like Well, bias it is a shortcut. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: you know, crossing the street to avoid a certain situation or something yeah. like that, that's a mental bias that is supposed to make you safer in all walks of life. Like yeah. that's the that's the way the brain works, yeah. right? It's like, hey, anything that might seem dangerous, avoid it. Yeah. Like, that's like if this person,
0: bias. let's do something innocent. This person, I'm standing on the train platform. This happens to everybody in Chicago. And this person comes up to me and starts to engage with me in a conversation uh, let's say it's like a middle-aged black man who looks kind of down in his luck, of you know, unshaven, rough around the edges, maybe even has some smell to them. Um, am I going to keep my headphones in, turn away? Am I going to take my headphones out and try to engage with them? If they say, you know, I've you know, we've all heard the like, hey, I don't want to like interrupt you, but, and then they go into their spiel. But um, I work with Greenpeace. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the way I run the other direction. <laughs> um, you know, what am I going to let my bias of that situation do? So, Am I going to shortcut away from, I'm going off what you're saying, am I going to shortcut out of a situation that I might not enjoy or get anything out of and just dip out of it and leave? Or am I going to take headphones out, engage that person like a human being, and who knows what's going to happen? Maybe they were going to offer me five bucks that they found. Maybe they, you know, maybe just because they look like something and I had bias attached to that appearance, it wasn't going to be this what asked for money? Which is that really that bad of a thing? Mm-hmm. Well, but I'll admit, yeah, I don't like that. None of us really love that. Right. But is it really that bad? And what happens if I get into these non-shortcut experiences? Mm-hmm. And what, what? Why do we steer ourselves away from them so strongly? Because of a little bit of discomfort for two minutes. Right.
1: Well, and it's usually, I mean, the there's a the ah, a weird. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah, but it's okay. the the goal is like.
2: Or can start if you want. <laughs> sure, go ahead. I'm like. Trying to I think part of it terribly. is it's, it's a fear thing, right? Yeah. Um, if some, in general, if a stranger comes up to you, and does not look, you know, kempt. Yeah. You're going to have a fear of. Will this per- Is there a possibility this person will attack me? Especially like can you, if you can
0: see their hands. Yeah. Or if you can't see their hands and it's like okay, well yeah. then I don't even know what they're holding on them, right? And we should check our gender bias here that we probably are less afraid than most women. Exactly. Yeah, and that's another part, too, right? Like It probably occurs to us. That fear occurs less than
2: it would to a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it gets heightened by, I think, skin color. I mean, yeah. I can wholeheartedly say that does play into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's
0: right or good, but it's natural, right? Um, right, so that's a thing. It's yeah. natural. Or, so that's really why I wanted to talk about this, because we're going to keep mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah,
1: And there's a difference between... Or I guess the, the question I have is, where is the bias coming from? Is it coming from past experiences in which we should listen to some of our bias? Like, if every time I walk up to this person, they punch me in the face, I should probably stop walking up yeah, to them Yeah, we person, learned that in Lion King. Right? Yeah. Um, but if it's, if it's, so that's where you have to start thinking, or at least that's what I want to start thinking about or asking the question is, is the bias based off of reality, or is it based off the fiction that we're taught via media, yeah, yeah. family, That's, school, yeah, etc.? Yeah. You know, as it's, you said
2: that, I I should have retracted and said it's not natural; it's conditioned. Is more it's more than the, well, more than anything. What's Bold. the difference? I guess. <laughs> no, I would, I would say natural in the sense that if it were natural, I think from when the, you were a young kid, yeah, you'd okay, have the so same get, kinds of reactions. I'm saying
0: bias is natural. My the the screen that I have, yeah, the the what I'm seeing. That that person's dangerous and that person's not. That's the condition. Yes. For sure. That's, I mean, it's socialized. Right. And I think, I don't. Fight or flight is natural. Yes. yes. And the, I mean, there is also research that says the ability to quickly discern things that are like us and not like us is also natural. And it happens subconsciously. But the next step is that's different than me and I should be afraid of it is the conditioned part. But what do Uh I do with that is the conditioned part. So I see that person, their skin color is not like mine. I know that there's a difference there. Then what? That's based on everything that we've learned. That that next step is mm-hmm. everything Yeah,
2: Yeah. Well, and then even on the kind of the lighter end of the spectrum, yeah. in terms of like... Skin, skin. color? No. I, yeah. <laughs> in terms of... Uh, Are you pointing at me right now? <laughs> <laughs> I did go left to right with my hair from the <laughs> um, In terms of like, you know, just severity of the situation... Um, you take a look at the online dating world yeah. and you know, our friend thomas edwards who's a professional dating coach mm. he's I, i'll get the order wrong mm-hmm. but like I'm i personally a don't defense. do don't have a high uh you know whatever swipe right rate on dating apps And i don't use them like very often yeah. but i don't have a high su- success rate on them um success rate or swipe rate? or swipe rate i should say you meaning be, you
1: aren't you matching with a lot of people? Or correct? you don't okay, swipe right. right. Oh, okay. Yeah, originally it sounded like you're not, you're being like, I don't swipe right on a lot of people. Yeah. I'm yeah, so sorry. cool. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get swiped right on. Got okay. it. Okay. Uh,
2: and I think I'm a good looking guy. You're pretty good looking. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, hadn't, I didn't question my appearance at all until I started. I was like, oh, why am I, get, why am I not getting
0: any of these right swipes? Why am I getting pro, <laughs> pro tip, have a few female friends, uh, have a few straight female friends review your profile for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair. Anyway, are you getting to the fact that there are like these racial hierarchies of yeah? So men? it's like
2: if you go down the 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 hierarchy yeah. uh, in terms of what is visually appealing and what what do people yeah. want to see? It's like females, uh, in general, obviously not. It's case by case, but mm-hmm. making a broad. There's statement. stats from Match.com that from Okay, yeah. Cupid too. It's, yeah. like, it's like it's like Indian male is like. I don't know, like right, fifth down on the uh, list or something like that. I would say that.
0: right above black females because black females rate the lowest on all of these online sites. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, I well, I'm thinking from the, from females looking at males, at me, okay. but, but probably in aggregate even, right? Yeah. Um, but like it's like white male is top, yeah. and then it's Asian like, female, probably yeah, Asian female, <laughs> and then um, like light, probably light skinned black yeah. female, yeah, um, light skinned Asian well, male. Bo- there's Blasian,
0: the black Asian yeah, combo, right. is like highly desired. Yeah,
2: so like. There, there's bias there that yeah. when I use these dating apps, like I know I'm fighting against that. So that yeah. actually, it you know the times where I'm like, yeah, why don't, why don't I change up my profile? So I'm like, I gotta like put extra thought into this to get past that initial yeah. bias, if it's even
0: possible so, to get past that. So one thing real quick is that's what leads to then all these cultures lightening their skin and stuff, right? Yeah. And then two is uh, is it wrong to have a preference of attraction?
2: No, and and you If thing I I'll just like too. a look of and right. if I
0: do have a preference of attraction, why do I have one? It from my own head or from society telling me that I do? Or from the dating app yeah. telling me that I do, or from my interactions on the bus, or like yeah. And I'll even ah. say like I you know, I've said this plenty of times Watch too much before. anime as a kid. Uh
2: okay. my own preference, like I I am physically not attracted to women who are darker in skin color than I am and that may be like I don't know if it's a bad thing to say I just know like I have not come across someone who's darker skin than I I'm like oh yeah she's smoking hot you know well that's what I think that's not to say I don't think people are like good looking people as like you know as people
0: but I personally am not
2: attracted to them
0: no I think this is like what we're trying to get to with this conversation is like what is that And, and what do we do with that like I think a lot pretty much everybody could say some version of that right like Yeah, I don't like this look or this thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I like brunettes more than blondes. But then at the same time, it's like (laughs)
2: girls who have like super short hair. I'm also like not really into that either.
0: Yeah, so that's and people. Let's say let's say that it's correct that people are not swiping red on you as much because of your race or ethnicity a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be the ponytail. <laughs> no. oh, man, uh, man buns are doing well in 2016 and 17. <laughs> you got to make it higher up. You got to like yeah. put it right in the center yeah. of your head. So Good the point. question is is what is that? Like can we can we you know people say all the time like uh, I'm not into such and such race, you know? Like I, I don't I'm not attracted to this yeah. race or something like that. So I'll I'll do a personal admission too. I did not usually find East Asian looking women attractive. Until I moved to San Francisco when I was in my early 20s, and then I was around people of East Asian descent a lot more, mm-hmm. and then I literally like said to myself, oh, I now find that group, whole millions of people, <laughs> literally billions, uh, attractive, and I didn't before because I grew up in Minnesota, yeah. podcast listeners, yeah. and there's not a lot of Asian people in Minnesota, and I made the... And, and so did your dating app? yeah expand. yeah <laughs> I made the like kind of social psychologist observation that I thought it was because of my socialization with people that looked different than me, yeah,
2: well, and you know this is the other thing i the other issue I take with kind of the bias you know mentality or whatever is that. I said it before, like the idea of the absolutes, but also making blanket statements about things mm-hmm. we like or don't like. Yeah. And and my realization of that was I mean, going back to, you know, what, four years ago when we were doing the 30-day challenges with Ideal M, and we did the month of listen to a genre of music mm, yeah. we don't otherwise listen to. So you and I listened to country music for a month, <laughs> Prior and only country. Prior to that, I had said, I hate country music. Yeah. And then I listened to it for a month, and I was like, you know, there are some things I like in this. And I'm like, Kanye, leave T-Swift alone. She's not babe. <laughs> no, and she was still country at that point, I think. She wasn't poppy. She was <laughs> getting pretty poppy. But Music
0: is a cool. great way to uh, explore this conversation safely. Yeah, uh, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you think
2: about it like that, right, like yeah. after having done that month of just country, I can say, you know, country's not my cup of tea, but there are some things I can get yeah. into within that.
1: I, I want to touch on what you just said okay. right there, which is... Um, <laughs> So music is the way that we can do this conversation safely. And I think that that is fascinating because, all right, how do you manage bias? So we we all admit we all have it, right? And then we then we try to talk about it, and then it gets very dangerous very fast. And I think that that is the thing. I don't know. I got pretty quiet there for a little while. I was like, it's amazing how quickly you're just worried about getting like full-on attacked just for, like, trying to figure out Mm -hmm. what is happening. Like, you're not even, we're not even saying, like, this is finite, that is not, this is right, this is, we're not even saying any of that. We're just like, let's try and understand. Like, let's make a safe space to understand and then publish that to the world. Um, (laughs) Which is insane to me. Um, But, like, when you and I chat over dinner, I know it's a completely safe space, and if I say something wrong, you'll just tell me, and it's not going to cause, like, a lot of, like, you're not going to have animosity for the yeah. next 10 years or something, or like try to actively ruin my career or something <laughs> because I said something incorrect. But that's not the world we live in. Everything is recorded. Everything is like sent out to the world. And you see these people's lives getting torn apart mm-hmm. um, as deserved as they may be. In in mm-hmm. some people's cases, like mm-hmm. um, Milo and things like that, like, yeah, he, he says some horrible things and you know, you're going to get backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that trickle down of the fear yeah. Is really fascinating, and like, how do I manage bias? Like, I only talk about these things with people that I really trust, and I'm really
0: scared <laughs> yeah. outside
1: of those those conversations.
0: It's it's, it's that's a really interesting observation. Um, I appreciate you sharing that, um, but I think that's fear is an interesting part of it. But like, I don't know. I really want myself, and I guess I would you know encourage others, encourage you in this moment, and other people to embrace that and dive into it a little bit and say, like, let's let's do this. let's not just stick to music. Let's say how we feel personally about this, you know, such and such topic or such and such topic um, and <clears throat> two things real quick. One, yeah, people are going to attack and some people are going to get upset and some people are going to lash back the, the, the clap back or the lash back. Whatever is definitely ja rule. Part, clap back <laughs> definitely part of our culture, uh, whether it's job ja rule or not. Um, <laughs> But I think there is some uh, other opportunity. I, I think some of that la- that lashback, which leads to that fear, is out of place. I think it's coming from the wrong place. And I think that a lot of times we can have actually more like civil, again, conversations about like, okay, let me tell you why. So here, let's do one right now. I'll do it right now. Okay. Uh, so you said, um, I say a thing and maybe I'm wrong. And then you're like, instead of like, that turning into a fight, which maybe ends the conversation, you said, can you teach me, right? So from the, let's just take race, and again, I'm not attacking you personally, but I do, I'm going to kind of like guide us into one of these right now, is uh, a lot of people of color don't want to always take on the mantle of telling white people why they're doing something wrong. And so like people of color often get tired of that conversation of like, now I have to tell this person why this thing shouldn't be said. Now, it's not just limited to race, right? Um, but this conversation that I'm having right now, looking at across the table, you Martin, is an example of that. Where I can say, "Let's talk about it," and I'm not going to get angry, and maybe we'll feel a little uncomfortable, and my insides will be a little gushy, but like we can get through it, and we're going to survive, and we're going to learn. And like I can say those things, and then you'll have a response, and like doesn't have to be as crazy as the internet makes it to be.
1: Sure. And and again, I think with with people that I know and I'm comfortable with. I think that that's great. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen many um, situations where I do question people and they take it well. Yeah. Um, maybe that's kind of my, you know, uh, critiquing my own communication style. Like the other night I was at an event and they were talking about Uber. Mm. And the entire event was how do we fix Uber because they're being horrible to the world. Sure. And my stance was you're making a lot of assumptions. Like, it's not Uber does this well and this poorly. How do we focus more on the good and minimize the damage? Mm-hmm. You're saying Uber is the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we fix this crap company yeah. that is hurting the entire world? Yeah. And my prompt that I got at this event was like, how do you change Uber so that they um, are beneficial for all of society in the world? I'm mean, like, how the hell do I answer that question? <laughs> it's so, an awful question. So, Awfully worded yeah. question. and there's yeah, more. It's a bad the, there's more to the prompt. There's more to the prompt. But I, I, I went into contrarian because that's what I. That's what I am. I, I ask questions, even if I agree that Uber does horrible things, that their culture is yeah. currently like being, yeah. you know, bombarded for being sexist. All these different things. I want to start from the point of. What do they do well? What do they do poorly? Mm-hmm. How do we fix it? Because this is not a productive question. This is not yeah. a productive setup. And so I question the entire setup. Yeah. And wow, yeah. the backlash. Yeah. So and, yeah.
0: So if somebody says uh, cops are pigs and we should, you know, fuck all cops, uh, not we should, not the not the verb, That those two distinct sentences. Wheel like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. That's not where we're going with this one. Um, if if somebody says like you know the police force is uh, uh, bad and needs to be stopped, that's gonna be a really tricky conversation because one of the things we said early on tonight was or today was content versus message. There's some content there that they're probably conflating with their emotion. Yeah, the whole thing was emotion. Yeah, and the and so the message that came out was we got to stop all cops. Well, okay, let's <laughs> you know we got to unpackage that more. Just like we got to unpackage more about like. Um, uh, uber is a terrible country and trump is the worst person in the world okay like all right yeah sure i agree with some of the things that are generating some of those thoughts but we have to look at it you know so it's it's hard
1: to find it, people who are i mean you are someone i trust you are someone i yeah. trust i have a handful of other friends i'm able to trust but i think a lot of times on you can, both sides yeah People don't want to actually sit down and have that conversation yeah. because we want to feel good about yeah. the things that and we it believe takes because, work to Yeah, and we've also spent so much time building up our yeah. belief system. Like, yeah. I tear my belief system down every six months. Yeah. So I'm pretty easy at, like, getting... But that's a muscle you got to flex yeah, and get some, used to. Like, I am 100% open to being wrong and for someone teaching me something that I don't know. Yeah. But that's something I've been working on since yeah.
0: junior year of high school. So Let me ask you this. Are you 100% open? Because you said you had some fear guiding some of your conversations. My fear is more
1: so that I'm going to say the wrong thing because I know that I don't know everything. What's so it's a bad about that? I don't think it's bad, but it does. That's no, how it's
2: perceived is the problem. It's it's people.
1: So I think for me, I'm just kind of naturally an introvert. So like when people start attacking, I'm like, fine, you're right, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, um, that happens with... Anyone like on both sides, Uh, if they're so strong, I'm like, look, you're okay. okay, So let me have shouted the loudest. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how I am with everything. Like if
0: I'm in a business situation, someone just shouting, I'm like, whatever, dude. Let me check myself though, because I say, you know, oh, if you just say Trump is the worst or Uber is the worst, or we got to stop the cops that I'm, I just said that that's conflated with emotion and maybe we need to look at it more rationally. What about when we need just those emotional, like, blah, like, I feel the things. And, like, I don't often take that stance of, like, let's just feel the things for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and is there, is there a place for that to, be like, maybe I just want to be fucking biased and stereotyped for, like, ten minutes and just be really upset. Yeah. And just let me do that. Well, I would – so an example I would
2: use is uh, we had a guy, a friend of mine named Lance Newton on the show last year. Uh, he's a actor um, and – that particular episode was around taking action. How do you take action? And he had, in that, the conversation was spawned from, he had posted this video on Facebook. There had been another police shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for reference, because it's relevant to this conversation. Lance is, uh, is black. And he had posted this video, which was like really emotional. He was like, you know, like, I'm sick and tired of this always happening, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It was a very powerful message he was sharing. But he ultimately had a, here's what we need to do about it. Mm. Like he, he, he had his, I wouldn't even say lashing out, but he had his, ah, like moment. Mm. And he videotaped it and put it online. Mm. And then he was like, you know, like just watching this. Like if you just watch this, like you're not doing enough. If you know anyone who's a police officer, please share this with them. Mm. Um, like it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm asking you to do that anyways. Mm. And I did like, you know, like one of my best friends is a police officer. And I, I, I was scared as shit sharing it with him, but I kind of felt compelled to because, mm-hmm. you know, the way Lance had phrased it, I thought it was mm-hmm. nice, it was inspiring, it was compelling. Um, when I, you know, ultimately I was like, hey man, like, uh, my friend said you need to watch this. Uh, understand, I don't think you are a quote unquote bad guy, mm-hmm. but I think it's important that you watch this um, just so you know. Mm-hmm. And he was like, thanks, I'll take a look. And what happened? Uh, You know, we never talked about it again after that. Um, Hmm. I didn't bring it up. I probably also didn't see him for a little while and had forgotten about it. But um, even with something like that, like, it's a touchy subject, I think. Because I wouldn't even know how to bring it back up. So what would you think of the vid? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But but I think the way Lance did it was he was able to have his ah moment, but ultimately have some type of, like, use that to get to a resolution, Hmm. you know. Not just, the world is fucked, everyone's dying, yeah. you know, and, and that's it. It was, all right,
0: well, yeah. here's what needs to happen now. I I like that, and I <clears throat> have a hard time when people just mire themselves in the constant rolling of the same stuff over and over again. So let me give a recent example is I was totally checked out when everyone hopped into the Trump um, tax forums the other night with Rachel Maddow, mm-hmm. uh, which everyone now is like, oh, I can't believe Rachel Maddow led us on to think this was important news and it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, but for there was like nothing they found. Right, for like <laughs> for like six hours, everyone was really pumped up. Yeah, um, and I don't get. So this is going back to take action. That's the punchline I'm getting to. It's like do something more than just like, yes, more information to just churn on, yeah. you know? Like we can't just continually churn. And when we're thinking about like politically or socially, like, okay, again, I'm, I'm trying to talk more like uh, about like actual steps, right? Not just like in theory. So in actual steps, I now run a business that is seated geographically and socially in a place to talk about gentrification a lot. And the way that we run our business is have a locked door that costs money to get in um, and that's a form of gentrification so rather than just like sit in like think or go to meetings or talk about or read blogs about gentrification i need to run my business in a way that i'm engaging that if i want to so i'm saying i want to engage with the topic of gentrification i also want to be on the pot what i think of as a positive side of that conversation so i'm going to host free workshops, do things, engage with the community, support nonprofits around me that do work in that area. Like I'm not just going to sit and complain or think about it. I love sitting and thinking. And I love sitting and brainstorming, you know, and this is going to be a great podcast. Like this, a great chance to brainstorm in real time, but it's like, what am I even going to do with this information? We talk about this podcast. How am I going to run my business? Who am I going to engage with next? Differently? Mm-hmm. Am I going to share something? Am I going to write something? Am I going to do something, do a thing based on the information? Yeah. So what do you do? <laughs> I don't have that, I don't have that yet. Yeah. I'll check back in 15 minutes. I'll have that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think
1: that's interesting. One of the, one of the things you talked about, everyone getting so wrapped up in stuff, and we live in um, a media culture. Yeah. And I've been talking about this book a lot lately. It's called "Amusing Ourselves to Death." It came out in 1985. Um, Sounds relevant already. It's, yeah. So it's like it's amazingly relevant. It came out. It was about television, but now it's about. But you can make a lot of. Um, it feels like it was written this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I've always struggled with is uh, I don't like having those big reactions to things. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever On either side, whenever people get really worked up, I tend to flip the opposite way and try and be like, what is, what is being missed? Because mm-hmm. everyone's so emotional. Um, because I'm so scared of people being um, predatory on bias mm-hmm. and using bias to profit. Because um, there's a lot of um, wolves in sheep's clothing, I yeah, think, yeah. in the world, who are like, we are doing this because we want to see this change in the world, but really it's because I want to get YouTube views and mm-hmm. make my YouTube revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey Salads is someone who's been called out by H3H3. If I don't know what either of those words yeah, are. Check it out on YouTube. Look at H3H3 calling out Joey Salads for his videos. Like He put a car with, that was covered in Trump stickers in the hood. And, like, all these, like, black people came and destroyed the car within 15 minutes. And he videotaped it? And he videotaped it.
0: I mean, and, there's an episode of Atlanta on this. But
1: H3H3 huh. came out and said, this is a staged video. This is totally fake. And wow. Joey Salads is creating more hate and violence in the world. Yeah. And they called him out, and then they found a video that proved that it was fake. Hmm. And then they interviewed Joey Salads, who was like, yeah, yeah, it was all fake. I was just trying to, you Get know, clicks. Get clicks. And, like, that's the kind of stuff because that got that went, like, you know, on the yeah. news and all sorts of stuff. So, like, these are the things, like, my biggest issue when it comes to all this stuff and this, you know, I mean, we analyze the fact that this is my biggest issue, right? <laughs> but my, my biggest issue is, like, I really get annoyed at um, predatory um, people who use bias for their own good and, um, Because it makes it harder for me to see the real issue, the real issue that needs to be addressed. I get caught up in all this other stuff that's using the issue Mm -hmm. instead of actually trying to help be a part of the
2: solution.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, and this is, and so what we haven't talked about at least enough so far is media bias, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is something that's really just been pissing me off (laughs) over the last several months, you know. Since the, le- since the most recent election, like coverage mm. started two years ago, yeah, is... I've been angry about dad. it for <laughs> <laughs> Um,
0: But it's been heightened, obviously. Yeah. And the... That's what that book's about, really. Right.
2: So the ability to... I don't know about ability, but how easy it is for s- uh, some source, and I say that with air quotes, mm. to say something, and then someone else to latch onto it, and then it's become really popular... And then the bias gets created around that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it annoys me. You guys saw, you know, a couple months ago, I wrote that really long Facebook post about like this, like this has to stop, and we need to start actually looking at what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 the, the, the genesis of me writing that was Kellyanne Conway saying the alternative facts thing, mm-hmm. like how ridiculous that is, and how mm-hmm. we need to assess what alternative facts means. It means yeah. lies, and. Um, because facts are facts <laughs> that's what makes it a fact um, but when you really think about it and how so the, the the Trump tax return thing right? that's a great example everyone piled on right away and I didn't even hear about it until the next day to be honest I also happened to be in the dark that specific day mm-hmm. um, and then I saw it after the fact and I was like I read the NPR article and it was like you know, NPR is very factual yeah. they don't take a side and it was just like yeah, with their news reporting. Yeah. To take aside, and the article just stated what happened, and I was like, oh, "Okay, all right, so it looks like he paid his taxes." And then I like backtrack, and I see like all these people like, uh, like fate writing Facebook status breaking: Rachel Maddow has Trump's tax returns tonight, nine p.m., etc. And then okay, did well, she do that for the ratings? Read, yeah.
1: Well, meanwhile, I read this thing where someone's like, they don't know who who leaked the documents. And someone's speculating maybe Trump did. Because he's like, he knew all along that this would be such a shit story. So he built it up for years and years, or for a couple of years. And then, as soon as he wanted to release it, he knew everyone would get all crazy. And then he's like, it's actually not a big thing. Now that is me giving more fake news. This is not real. This is someone's (laughs) effing speculation. And it's not true. I have no anything behind this. It was like a throwaway thing that I read. (laughs) But I just think that's funny and that's what's stuck in my head and like now like I know it's not real but it's in my head somewhere so that yeah. becomes part of my bias subconsciously. It becomes
0: part of your narrative. You it know? becomes part of my narrative and now our narrative, works. now this podcast yeah. narrative now the yeah. listeners yeah, narrative. Yeah, 500 narratives right. <laughs> and,
1: and so like that's what I find so fascinating about this is like every time that we talk about this stuff people are like yeah but you know I I don't do that mm. and it's like or I'll I'll see like the radio playing or the TV playing in the background of my parents' place, and I'm like, they're like, yeah, but I'm not listening to that. It's just mm. noise in the background. Mm. I'm like, BS. Yeah. If I played, I don't know, just like rap in the background all the time, that's gonna seep in my head that I enjoy this mm. stuff. You know, yeah. like whatever's playing, whatever's going on at a at a consistent pace is is forming your brain, right. whether you think it is or not.
2: Well, and that's where I, that's where I think everyone needs to start getting very just honest with themselves about what information are they taking in and how are they processing that information. Now, the politics side is just one aspect of it, but uh, a less severe example would be several months ago, one of our friends posted an article about, um, the article was, it was like, study says people who post Instagram photos, Instagram fitness photos lack self-confidence or something like that, right? The article title was to that effect. And then you have this stream of comments of people who are reacting to our friend's posts being like, well, I don't do that or whatever. You're like, oh yeah, that would make sense. They're all, you know, people who post. But my personal selfies. story that has you no know, factual event. You know, and it's like, it's either like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Like, haha, those fitness selfie people. Yeah, they really do suck that kind of stuff. Or, well, I'm a fitness person and I, I do it for these reasons, etc. I didn't react at all, but I clicked on the article and I read it. Okay. And it says, it's like according to this study. And so I click on this study, which is hyperlinked, which takes me to another site, which is also still referencing that study, (laughs) okay? And then I click on the study from that site, and it takes me to a marketing fucking survey put out by some company, which is not at all a study. It's a marketing survey. And the fact that this is being then reported as a study, which makes people think... A lot of people now think it is rooted in science and psychology yeah. that people who post fitness selfies lack self-confidence. Yeah. And that is wrong. That, yeah. that, that that's the that's, that's what people are doing that's and they're the not taking the time. the biggest
1: issue in science in the entire... I was going to bring up a fad diet. Yeah. yeah, I was going to bring a fad diet. It's like scientific studies. This is the biggest issue in the scientific community where they're just like... It used to be you'd read a published article that was like fact-checked by the yeah. newspaper and it would link directly to a scientific paper. Yeah. Now it's a scientific paper that had a that had like thirty people involved. That gets published uh, once, which gets shared, which gets this and that. And you're it's in a it, journal and then one person yeah. like summarizes it and then they quote you're it getting, and it, 50, yeah, you're getting yeah. it 50 links down the road and none of it makes any sense anymore. Yeah. Selfies make
0: you fat. And then and I eat
1: three selfies a day to help keep me
2: strong. <laughs> right? right. And it doesn't take to, you know, to come back to that Facebook post that I wrote, like, telling like here's what we need to do, right? It doesn't take that long to just Google what you just read. and then Do you and then do then that, that with Google every search.
1: single thing that you've read since writing that post? If it has any
2: sort of merit to it, yes. So here, this is like, what I, I know, like if, if I know it's going to be a polarizing topic. Yeah, but
1: here's the thing. You read 20 headlines, your brain is already getting changed. What do you mean? If you just scroll through your Facebook feed, don't even click through or read any yeah. of the articles. You just look at the headlines and you don't click through, you don't <clears throat> check, and you don't do any of that it's still going to have an impact
0: in your thoughts. Sure, your
2: but so that's where even in my other, the, what I try to do and what, I've, what I'm also trying to tell other people to do is there's a difference between if someone says, hey, did you hear about that story? There's a difference between saying, yeah, I know that story, versus I saw there was an article on it. That changes the conversation entirely. Yeah. And that's what, I, that's what I try to do as much as I possibly can yeah. and want other people to do is make that... You know, and then you're almost at different Tell me about this story. Exactly. Like, oh, because if you I go into that. it saying, oh, yeah, I know what happened, yeah. then your own, they're going to start talking about it from their perspective. And then your story in your head is just what they think about it. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. That's a good point. You're just, you're just like soaking in their version, which is 50 clicks down the road. Yeah. Uh, because in the leading up to the final question that's coming, I wanted to think about like for ourselves and your listeners. Uh, what can we actually do? What are the actual steps in my daily life to manage and work with bias in, like, say, a positive way or a helpful way? Like, here's one for me. I uh, hid my news feed on my browser, uh, Facebook. During the election, I was tired of fucking bullshit from the politic, political spectrum. So I hid my news feed. And so I have it on my phone, but on my home Facebook page, I don't see my news feed. And that's like helped me because I'm sure there's good stuff and I'm sure I'm missing a couple things here and there, but like I most of it was not helpful. Mm -hmm. Or for me, I'm personally I was not gaining a lot from it. Sure. So that was like for me a step that I did to eliminate junk opinions out of my life. Now is this your final answer to our question? No. So I'm saying what are the other like tidbits that we can just like throw out there? Like, how do we actually like should I put myself in scary conversations? Should I not put myself in scary? Like, what should we do? I think it's, and this may end up being my larger answer, but yeah. I, 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 can I just
1: jump into it.
2: Well, we'll yeah. have like Why don't five I, minutes? On, yeah. yeah. So before that, okay, let's put a pause. Okay, Levi Bayer. Um, before we finish, okay, let okay. our Sorry. listeners know. I wasn't trying to rush us. There. What
0: you're working on and where yeah. they can find you. Uh, I'm Levi Bayer, and I just launched Second Shift. Which is where we are recording this episode. We're in Logan Square and uh, sitting in Second Shift. It's a co-working space that focuses on community and collaboration. Uh, and we just opened and we're looking for more people to join us as community members uh, that want to work here and as partners in all sorts of different efforts. We've talked a lot about uh, effort, uh, work and outreach and that sort of thing. So we're looking for other people that want to join us in that in that hunt. Awesome. So you can find that at SecondShiftChicago.com. Cool. Uh, any personal Twitters or anything like that? You, want to share? you can uh, tell me how I said bad things during this podcast at Mystery Bear on Twitter, which is the word mystery and then Bear spelled like my last name, which is B A E R. Cool. All right. So then, to wrap up, our question
2: is: How do you manage bias,
0: Martin? Oh God.
2: <laughs> uh, and let me actually let me preface by saying this was by far the most challenging episode we've ever recorded
1: (laughs) yeah I'm scared to listen back um so the way I've been doing it is just having very honest conversations with people that I'm that I know have differing viewpoints or um, different approaches to the same viewpoint as me and just trying to understand their perspective and share my own so that we can come to a you know a mutual understanding even if at the end we don't agree you know, it was a really productive conversation. Um, So I've got maybe like three or four people in my life that I can do that with probably more if I really think about it. Um, So engaging in those conversations more. Does there have to be a level of trust for that? Like I can't do, I can't go to a stranger. No, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean maybe I'm an introvert and I just can't. I don't want to talk about strangers about well, that. But even if you're an extrovert, you'd have to I mean, develop some type yeah, of. We know you're an
0: introvert. I'm. I was looking for like your honest take on that. Yeah. Like, um, what, how much trust do we need before that we hit oh, the tipping I don't, point? For like, um. I don't, well, so I,
1: I, it depends. Do you Do you agree? So for me, if I agree with the same outcome, I just don't agree with how they got to that answer. Mm. Then I can have that conversation with people that I have less trust built up with. Mm. But if we have very different views on the end goal, there has to be a crazy level of trust. Because I did at one point, um, with someone that I didn't have a lot of trust built up with, um, I just said, like, hey, you know, I'm I'm just curious why people get so emotional over this topic. Mm -hmm. And they ended up breaking down and crying within, like, five minutes just from me asking the question. Mm Um, and I was like, look, look, and I had to take like 10, 15 steps back and be like, look, I agree with well, you.
2: sweetheart, you got it all. No, 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 <laughs> no.
1: I said, look, I, I 100% agree with everything that you stand for, believe. We're 100% on the same page. Yeah, but you are wanna- I just don't understand how you got here.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and why there's so much emotion yeah. behind it. I just need to know that, and it, like that person was about to leave and just not engage me anymore, um, and all I do is ask like two or three questions. right. Sure. Um, so I had to completely backtrack, and because we had the same endpoint that we were trying to get to, we could get back on track, okay. have the conversation. So, but if I had a different endpoint, they would have probably never talked to me again.
0: So some level of trust engaging with people with some differences. Yeah, and, re- and paraphrasing.
2: I think what my answer comes down to for how do you manage bias is understand the words you choose to use, like like choose to use words intentionally. That's part of it. The other part is try your best to avoid, like unless you're watching sports, avoid knee jerk reactions to what you see. Hmm. Um, I mean, sports—you're just cheering for your team. Fine, <laughs> good. <laughs> it's training people to have group think and bias. <laughs> <like that. laughs> but with everything else, um, <clears throat> it, it, you know, it's almost like having something happen in your brain before fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the psychological term for that, but it's like it's it's really is just trying to take that microsecond before you immediately say, Oh, that sucks or, or <laughs> oh like oh you know, screw them or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> just taking that second to be like, mm-hmm. okay, what happened? Yeah. Why might that have happened? What what should my reaction be?
1: Really quick, I'd like to add an additional thing to the paraphrase that Levi made earlier. Um for me, it's knowing that I don't know what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. That's the way that I manage my bias. And we I'm sure if I listen back to this podcast, it'll just be like a lot of,
0: I really have no idea, <laughs> um,
1: which at this point in time is how I'm managing it. I'm hoping someday I have much like stronger convictions around certain things after mm-hmm. having done more research, but that's the way I
0: currently manage it. Cool. I think it's an important acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah. Levi. How do you manage bias bring us home? <clears throat> um, Rod, you just touched on some things that I look at through the lens of attachment theory, which is a whole other social paradigm we can get into on the third time I come on your podcast, <laughs> uh, which, which is about taking time to process what you're going through. So for me, how do you manage bias? Um, I think it is giving some time to sit with your wherever you're at with it. Um, which is going to be a challenging conversation for you personally inside your head. Sometimes it might be a challenging conversation with the people around you. Um, like with my partner, sometimes I'm like, why do black women have their hair like that? And because she is a black woman, she will be frustrated. And then I say, I'm interested in learning and we go proceed from there. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm trying to sit in that moment or all these moments that we come across and, and do what both of you said, you know, engage with it i'm looking for this outcome or i want to process and maybe i'm going to think back later like did i go about that the right way um and i think so reflection intention um and i'll end on this owning your place owning your place so i kind of challenged you a little bit martin and uh, why i wanted to talk about this is i think we should own where we're at and say these are my biases I'm from this place, so I have this. I'm this skin color, so I have this. Mm-hmm. Um, and start there, because where else are you going to start than where you actually are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very poetic. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Levi Bayer, thank you for
2: joining us. Thank you so we great. made it through this <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> it hasn't been released yet, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That wrapped up our conversation with Levi Bayer. Levi, my man, thank you so much for joining us and for... Really, honestly, sort of carrying that conversation and allowing both Martin and I to be able to talk about that stuff, providing the open space, both physically, because we've recorded it at second shift, but also metaphorically, uh, just by being an open person and, and wanting to engage in a conversation like that. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show, and therefore more people get to discover their inner awesome. While you're doing that, subscribe to the show on whatever platform it is you listen to, as well as go to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. While you're there, actually, you can grab all the show notes, references, and resources from this episode, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter. So you'll join our tribe and never miss another episode of this show. We would also love to hear from you specifically about this episode. What are your thoughts as you heard what we talked about? Did we offend you? If so, again, we apologize, but we'd like to know what were you thinking about as you listen to this? What's your point of view? Send an email to Rajiv, R-A-J-I-V, at discoveryourinnerawesome.com, and let us know. We may come back next week with a part two, taking a female's perspective on the same topic, so stay tuned. That one may be your next episode. Haven't decided yet if that's where we'll take this, but... If we do that episode, I'm sure it will be just as insightful and helpful as we found this one to be. That'll do it for this one. Thank you again to Levi Bayer for joining us. For Martin McGovern, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. I'm
0: Mike catches on fire. <laughs> That's a lot of tweets. Was that referencing something? No.
1: Uh. It's like so many tweets that have moved phone
0: Retroactively after the podcast is out. <laughs> yeah. People just hate mailing us yeah. through Twitter so fast that the microphone back in I'll some find out. If, I'll find out
2: if our listeners care what my opinions are after this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah.